Pledge drive, pledge drive, pledge drive, pledge drive. <laughs> we're here for some pledge drive stuff, and we're here for some fascinating topics, and we're here to get your blood pressure rising on some critical thinking. Thank you for joining us, and enjoy! Welcome to Critical Thinking for Everyone! Welcome, welcome, welcome to our favorite week of the year. Favorite week of the year. Why is this the favorite week of the year? Because this is, we are heading into Forward Radio's birthday oh, week. Oh, that's right. We're in uh, we're in fundraising mode. Yes. Yeah, okay. We're heading into our birthday. Birthday week. I think, I think you're more excited about your birthday maybe than the radio station is about theirs. Really? I don't know. I'm pretty excited. So welcome everyone to our show, Critical Thinking for Everyone. Yes, it is. It is. I'm Patty Payette. She is Patty Payette. I'm Brian Barnes. And together we've been doing the show for mucho years. And right here on Forward Radio. And we, Forward Radio, is heading into its fifth anniversary. Uh How about that? Yeah, so April 9th is our official birthday, mm-hmm. birth date celebration, I should say. Saturday, April 9th. April 9th. All right. Okay. Yeah. And so right now, um, we have our, as Brian mentioned, our pledge drive going on. Mm-hmm. It runs from March 27th to April 9th, so we are in the thick of it. Yeah, and you can go to forwardradio.org and you can make that pledge. We would love it. Oh, what We've kind of thing do you some, get? Well, we have some really nice homemade uh uh, items, stitched fabric items from uh, an organization called Stitch, a nonprofit. Okay. And what else we have? Oh, uh, Forward Radio sweatshirt. Do you have one of those? I don't have any of those. I've okay. got the water bottle. Okay, you've got the water. That's not on there. So there's plenty of things for you to choose mm. from. So five years and growing. Okay. We are all about asking you to help us grow. Yeah. And continue to dig roots into the community. Sure, sure. Right? Yeah. Out of hibernation into celebration. Yeah, right? There so we are. hibernation of the last couple years of. What, COVID 19? Yes. We had a birthday last year. Yes, we did. So, folks, we want to encourage you to, again, um, show your support for our show and for Forward Radio, which is a social justice volunteer-led organization right here in Louisville. Yeah, yeah. And But you're not going to come to the radio station for this. If you want to be involved, we need you to come down to the Tim Faulkner Gallery which is at 991 Logan Street in Louisville. It's in downtown. Yep, that's um, our par- birthday party. Yeah, yeah, and and we would yeah we would like for you to come to that. It is as Patty mentioned. It's on April 9th from one to four p.m. We'll have ro- live radio. We'll have food and drink. I am told we have a cash bar, so this thing gets rowdy. We have a silent auction. Silent auction with a cash bar. This is where the real damage gets done. I think. <laughs> Oh man! Brian is the MC. You get to meet Brian. Brian, who? You're, oh. you're the MC, and I'm the. I was asked to be a greeter. I will be a greeter. Oh great! I'll so, be greeting. so I'll just be. I'll pass all of this off to Patty, and she'll do <laughs> the work. But anyway, I am gonna be there to, um, you know, sort of lead us through the festivities. I will be enjoying the cash bar along with you. Oh, you keep mentioning the cash yep, bar. Yep, yep. I feel. I feel like that's a draw. 
I feel like really? it's a draw. You yeah, think so? yeah, I think okay. so. I feel right. like I will be stuffing birthday cake into my face as we go through. <laughs> so I'll also be. I see. I like to get the combination of kind of the alcohol down, mellowing with the sugar, the sugar like jacked you like, you, up. You kind of like like the the roller coaster feel of the of the nervous ses, uh, nervous system depressant and the nervous system stimulant. That's right. That's you like you I like, like to. I, live, yeah. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not, yeah, well, I'm just going to stop there. But I am going to okay. say that uh, we are going to have John Gage and Amber Riggs show Ooh. up for musical entertainment. Sounds amazing. We're going to have Adria Johnson uh, speaking to us as part of the program, which sounds fantastic. Yeah. Um, we'll have to get that topic. Do you know the topic? No, don't know. We'll, we'll find out. Anyway, we'll we apologize out. for being not completely prepared. Uh, to go through all the details. But our regular listeners are used to that. Oh, my Lord. We love you. We appreciate you, regular yeah, listeners. So, anyway, in. if you could roll in here on Saturday, April 9th. Yeah. Right? From one, one to four. four. Uh-huh. Tim Faulkner Gallery. Yep. Help us celebrate. Booze, bread, birthday cake, birth- and Brian. And all those things <laughs> will be there. Um, and we're looking for your bread, we're looking for your donation. So we can keep our little tree growing. I like that it's got on our graphic here, it's got like you start off a little seedling and now the tree is up. It's got some mm-hmm. branches and stuff after mm-hmm. five years. Yeah. I say that's um, it's definitely where we're at. Yep. So forwardradio.org, you will find the pledge drive donate button. And we would love to hear from you at any point and see you on April 9th. And you can, by the way, the, the party we should mention is from 1 to 4, so just pop in anytime. Oh, yeah, you don't have to stay for yeah. the whole party. No. But if no. you want to, that will create more opportunities for you to spend money at the gallery <laughs> and on the uh, forward radio support experience. Yeah. So. so, all right, folks. So this show, Brian and I are, are back with a brand new show. Brand new. And this thing's squeaking. It's it so is, new. It's so yeah. new. It has that, new. It has new show yeah. smell. We're taking it out of the cellophane. That's right. That's right. What are we gonna do with that <laughs> micro? That that plastic wrap we have there. I know. We are not gonna throw it away. We're going to uh, recycle it. Somehow. I'm not sure we should have even unwrapped it. Uh, we didn't think late. this through. Too late. Yeah, it's it's definitely out of the package now. Yeah, but, maybe. Um, yeah, I'll turn it into like a bracelet or a ring and wear it at the birthday party. Oh, this will that'll look great with your with your nails. Yeah, you've got it yeah. right here next to your nails. Yeah, that's, don't they look that's lovely? Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a good color on your on your hand there. So okay, so today's show hmm. is about belief. Yeah, belief. This is gonna be ugly. <laughs> I mean, wow. Well, I mean, wow. I, I in am, the he means in the very best way. I listeners. am just so reluctant <laughs> to engage with much of this material in a meaningful Come on, way. Brian, I had an interesting on. conversation with a friend just a little while ago. She'll yeah. she'll never listen to the show. Are you sure? I'd not, but I don't think she will. And so I'm going to go ahead and talk about this conversation. Go ahead. It's about belief, right? Okay, good. Yeah. So the question was. If you're going to do scholarly work, how do you do scholarly work around mystical subjective experience? You mean mystical subjective? So I say, 
I prayed and it made my day better. Oh, I see. Okay. And so I'm not talking about just like statistical testing. I'm talking about like qualitative research. Like how do we really dig into this experience and kind of map that experience of my spiritual mystical life in a scholastic way? And I tell you. I was having a difficult time with the whole conversation because I'm just not sure I believe in very much of that. You're, wait a minute. You just said you're not sure you believe in very much of that. Wow. Yeah. Boy, yeah. you really qualified that. You're well, not sure you believe in much of that. Well, as with, <laughs> as with our pet speaker for today that we have focused our energies yes. on in preparation for this Marcelo thing. Marcelo Glaser. Uh-huh. And that guy. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to be accused of committing a logical fallacy here, but I will say that I'm very much with our old buddies, um, Carl Sagan and um, who was the other one that they talked oh, about? Bertrand, Bertrand Russell. Russell. Right. And their position on this, I thought, was yeah. much more lucid than, right. than um, Marcelo, Marcelo Gleiser's okay. position. Okay, so Brian has already has already staked his claim. I have kicked the doors stands. open and put a stake in the cat. Yeah, you sure have. Yeah. So when we're talking about belief, though, what I thought we should start with is Michael Shermer, who, one of your faves. Yeah, now, he's who, a little bit less problematic. Yeah, Michael Shermer, yeah. who has written this entire book called The Believing Brain. The Believing Brain. Which, not The Believing Brian. No, we have made that mistake before. Yes, we yeah. have. Believing Brain, yeah. which is a, a, a book that Brian so nicely gave to me, which mm-hmm. I have really enjoyed. Enjoyed. Good. And um, I see you've read six pages. <laughs> no, no, I've read I've read seven. Um, good, so, good pages. So what, when we talk about belief, let's let's clarify because the relationship of belief to critical thinking and why we're why we're belaboring belief. Okay? Oh yeah. So when we say belief, we're not necessarily just meaning like belief, like faith, belief in God, or you know, we're talking about. We're also talking about the idea, I'd like to extend out the, the conversation to meaning what we believe about the world, right? What we For good reasons? Can we extend what, it that far? Yeah, what we believe about the in, in yeah. the nature belief. And so I wanna read this okay. passage. All right. Um uh, some some juicy words from Michael Shermer right. from the Believing Brain sure. okay. or Brian. And mm. I think it's important that we share with the readers kind of like what the role of our beliefs play in our thinking and our schema about the world because mm-hmm. they're grounding us whether we acknowledge it or not. Yeah, that's there. right. We're making assumptions that would definitely qualify as belief, even in some cases if it's implicit. Right. Yeah. So what Shermer says yeah. is, why do people believe? Okay, sure. so first of all, like, why do we, why do we have beliefs? Yeah. Okay, and this is what he says. Okay. And, and you help me unpack this for, okay? I'll see what I can do. Philosopher he King. He probably has it all unpacked right there. Well, you know, you... He's you quite can, an unpacker. <laughs> okay, here's what he says. Okay. We form our beliefs for a variety of subjective, personal, emotional, and psychological reasons in the context of environments created by family, friends, colleagues, culture, and society at large. Sure. Okay? Yeah, yeah, sure. All right, so... Subjective, personal, emotional, psychological reasons. We we have a schema that okay. we create, things we believe in, created by family, friends, colleagues, culture, and society at large. Okay, so what if somebody says, now wait a minute, that makes it sound like, you know, everyone around me is deciding my beliefs instead of me. I see. 
What would you say? Oh, well, no, it's just that there are beliefs that are out there that are available to us, right? That there are essentially intellectual positions that we can take about any number of topics. And some of them we don't necessarily consider intellectual, but the whole point is that we have, you know, we start to believe things for reasons, right? And so sometimes those reasons are that you know, some suggestion is out there, and my experience matches with that closely enough that I then adopt that set of ideas, right? So maybe I don't, I don't like paying taxes. I didn't like that they took money from me. And yeah. so someone says, ah, taxes are bad. And I'm like, well, that's, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that I was starting off. I wasn't trying to get to the point to say taxes are bad. I just didn't really like it in my experience. But somebody else said that. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I believe that too. And I've just got that little kernel of evidence in there that works for me. In some cases, of course, I'd have a lot more evidence. Right. And as we grow up and as we, you know, get inculcated into inculcated society, is a good word, right, yeah. and mm-hmm. education, mm-hmm. we adopt, we absorb all these beliefs and norms. That's right. Right. Yep. So that's what he's saying is yep. that we we sort of we pick these up along the way and we adopt them. And he says. After forming our beliefs, we then defend, justify, and rationalize them with a host of intellectual reasons, cogent arguments, and rational explanations. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, I mean, sometimes. Well, well the problem sometimes. is, of course, that we all think that we do it in the opposite direction, right? That we come up with this, you know, that we we are uh, we experience these rational arguments and we believe them because we were convinced by good reasons. But I think what Shermer is suggesting here is that often we just kind of believe stuff maybe maybe for no good reasons at all. And then if we're challenged on it, either by ourselves or by others, then we go back and we come up with reasons why it's good to believe that. We, We retroactively come up with the reasons of why that makes sense. Yeah. Because we've decided to believe it first and come right. up with the reason later as right. opposed to right. rationally saying, okay, well, what, what do I really believe about this? Oh, right, right. And, well, and this happens fast, right? Because, like, for, so, for example, like, when we're recording this, like, yesterday, Will Smith slapped the crap out of Chris Rock on live oh, TV, yeah. right? And so everybody who, who has seen that, now, I think everybody's seen that now, right, in some right. little video clip or something. And so we might ask ourselves what we believe about it. Like, I think, there are, I think there are a couple of immediately possible ideas, right? One is that it was staged all along, of course, and the other one was that it was a spontaneous outburst on behalf of, of Will Smith, right? right? And then we ask ourselves, well, was it justified or not, right? And I think that a lot of times we had these conversations, like, really fast. And so we end up taking a side really quickly, right? And often it's like, like, I, I had a conversation with someone this morning who said, when when we initially started yeah. talking about it, they said, well, if someone insulted someone I loved, I'd slap them too. Wow. And I said, well, don't you think this is like in the context of entertainment? This is a professional performer and this whole thing's very performative and, you know, they're public figures. Right. And they're also multimillionaires and they're also like... It- Icons that are supposed to set the tone in the culture. I mean, right. they're and just. He has a pla- He has a platform where he can say whatever he, he wants. He could have done all. He didn't have to do it. He now. Have to do, and, and he made everybody right. look terrible, right. right? In my opinion. But at any rate, nonetheless, um, the idea that we sort of take aside really quickly, one way or the other, I think is 
is something that happens without us often really considering the evidence. Because I've had several of these conversations today where people started off with, I think you did the right thing. And then after we had a little conversation about it, they went, oh, I see your point of view too. Right. And it's like, did you consider any of the evidence ahead of time or did you just jump on one side? Because it felt good because I, I don't want my person to be insulted either or whatever it might be. And I think that that's, that's, really, the, um, that's really the question of whether we already had allegiance here intellectually or whether we started off having allegiance for some other reason and then like Shermer says we went in and kind of rationalized right it. as he says beliefs come first explanations for beliefs that's oh. not how we do it in academia we're supposed to have the explanation the reasons first i know but we're human beings oh, so we it's a lot of work to have to think through stuff. We prefer to just believe something. I just want to point out that you could do it this other longer way. I know. This is, I think for Shermer and maybe for Payette here, most of us probably don't. <laughs> he says, I call this process belief-dependent realism, mm -hmm. where our perceptions about reality are dependent on the beliefs that we hold about it. Yeah. So basically yeah. what Shermer is accusing us is, we don't actually see reality. Yeah. We see what we want to see based on what we believe or assume. Yeah, we have a crazy cognitive bias, according to Shermer, that we're only going to, like, all of our perceptions of the world will be shaped by the beliefs that we already have when we encounter those experiences. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it takes a lot to give us the cognitive dissonance to make us go, oh, well, wait a minute. Whoa, I was wrong. Right. Well, yeah. And I think you see this. I think you see this in very mundane circumstances. Right. Like maybe like maybe in a bar or something like maybe somebody maybe somebody's in a bar because they want to be social. Yeah. And so then they drink too much. They have too many drinks because they their goal is to be social and they're continuing that because the drinking is promoting the social aspect they're not thinking about the other implications necessarily of it right which might end up being negative exactly i mean it's so okay so i just all right i just got back from this trip okay so where'd you go I went to the United Kingdom. United Kingdom. And so I, this guy will never listen to the show. <laughs> we got another one. <laughs> Go ahead. And so, okay, so Tell this guy story. runs a bed and breakfast. Okay. okay? Yep. So I go online because I'm looking for a place to stay, and I have a set of criteria that I'm using to filter. Okay. Because when you're looking for a place to stay on vacation, there's probably many options, right? Sure. So I'm filtering, filtering, sure. and I go, oh, Perfect. This one meets my criteria. Okay. So I reserve it yep. online right. through Airbnb. Yep. He sends me an email. All right. And he says, hey, no need to put a deposit or anything down. Just, you know, you know, just come and, you know, and I was like, oh, okay, you don't need me to put, okay, all right, no problem. I mean, I've checked out, I've vetted him and, you know, all that, that's solid. Okay. I'm like, okay. So I show up and... I'm staying there, and, like, the morning before I'm supposed to leave, he goes, oh, by the way, it's you have to pay me in cash. I take cash. And I was like, <laughs> I was like. Could have mentioned that in the email. I was like, <laughs> I was like okay, whoa, wait. You know, in my head, I'm like, what? I'm yeah. like, okay. So I so he says to me, this is his belief. He, I mean, he doesn't say it's his belief, but I, I come to find out. And I'm so I'm saying to him, like, okay, what can you, you know, I'm trying to ask him a little more about it. And he says, well, 
if we go through Airbnb, I'll actually have to charge you 20 pounds more a night. So I'm saving you money and you just pay me cash. Oh, okay. And I'm like, What's okay. Airbnb say about all this, I wonder? <laughs> right. Yeah. right, I'm not yeah. losing any names. Yeah. Anyway, so he says, well, here's where you can get cash. You can go down to the post office, you can get a cash, you can go to the ATM. But I'm like, okay. So I had my whole day planned, but I'm like, okay, fine. You know, I'll work this stuff in. Sure. Well, I try to do those things and guess what? Can't get the cash. Can't get the cash. Oh, man. So I text him and I say, dude, I want you to know I'm really trying to get the cash. I'm, I've tried da, da 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 just as you suggested, but I can't do it because of this. And he's like, he's, ironically, he goes, what? This is the 21st century. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> and, and yet. And I'm like, and yet yeah. you're asking me for cash, right? right? right and so right. he's like, blimey. This is like, he actually said blimey. Blimey, no less. That. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, so I'm saying to myself, okay. This guy is well-intentioned trying to save me a lot of money, but meanwhile, I'm running around stressed out trying yeah. to get cash. Yeah. So I finally see him later in the day, and I go, oh, look, I'm really, I'm really trying to get cash. And he goes, you know what? Don't worry about it. Just, you can just deal with this when you get back to the States. And I was like, okay. I was like really? I was like, you're, you're, you're okay? Yes, do not stress about it. You can just, you know, and I'm like, okay, great. Huh. So I don't worry about it. So have you sent in the money yet? Yes, okay. I did. <laughs> I did, but like four days go by, and I come back, and I wake up to this text from him, and he's like, hey, have you got it? You know, have you figured out how you're going to pay me? And basically, he's yeah, saying that. Sure. Are you back? Are you still alive yeah, back in yeah. the States? And so I'm like, yes, I, I, but it's been the weekend, so now my bank is opening. Anyway, so I go online, and I pay I use Western Union, which cost me a dollar, Yeah. and I pay him. Okay. Okay. But the point is his beliefs that he's going to save me a lot of money. Yeah. His belief that I'm I'm going to be the hero here by saving you all this money and asking you at the last minute mm -hmm. to pay me in cash. Mm -hmm. Like he didn't. Yeah. There were lots of beliefs going on there. I guess. That. Yeah. And I had my own set of beliefs. It didn't exactly work out, did, did it? Did not. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's too bad. Yeah. So yeah. so I'm saying like like in his worldview. Mm -hmm. Right? This is no big deal. Right. Right? And I'm right. doing you a favor when right. actually you sort of stress me out. Mm. Well, I mean, I can see where, you know, this is, and this is the thing. In critical thinking, we often talk about assumptions. Yes. We don't usually use the word belief so much in critical thinking. We talk about things like assumptions. We talk about right. concepts. We talk about inferences. We talk about information. And then we try to evaluate that stuff to see like when it's high quality or low quality or when it's justified versus unjustified. Right. And it seems like in some cases here we could say from a critical thinking point of view that there were a variety of yes. assumptions that maybe hadn't been checked and so they probably there probably weren't good reasons to believe them. And so it ended up that you all had a lot of conflict over things like precision and relevance yes. and, uh, and yeah and, and he ended up giving me his personal banking information okay. i mean that was the other thing i'm okay. like dude's handing me a lot his of trust yeah banking information. i'm sure it was a deposit only <laughs> account no i'm not yeah so anyway <laughs> anyway the point is beliefs yeah. shape our our day-to-day -day interactions and sometimes our assumptions and beliefs lead us into good places, and sometimes they lead us astray. Well, it sounds like it led you into a pretty good place, <laughs> and it sounds like he's really comfortable with doing business in this way. So, I mean, I mean, obviously there are a lot of opportunities for this to go off the rails, right? Yes. But 
It, you know, it didn't. And so we can say, well, I guess that. But but there's also this question within critical thinking of kind of likelihood. Like what really what really seems the most likely in terms of something working out or something being the reality that we're associating with this belief. And so, you know, in 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 both cases, you all could have been taken advantage of, you know, on in this kind of a transaction. Well, the other thing is, is Airbnb is set up to avoid these all of these issues. Yeah, absolutely. Airbnb. Just pay the extra 20 pounds. Right. I mean, that that is set up. So this kind of stuff doesn't happen. You don't have I don't have to you don't have to give me your personal banking information, right. and I don't have to spend a bunch of time on vacation figuring out how I'm going to pay you. Right. 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 So, yeah. you know, and my last name is Payette. Oh, Payette. yeah. So you're Payette. definitely definitely going <laughs> to, can't just let that go. What would that mean for your personal brand, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, okay. Here is the article that made my ears perk up. The focal article. It okay. got her ears. Okay, Marcelo Gleiser. Here's the headline. Okay, here's the headline. Yes. Brian's doing yes. a heavy sigh. Atheism is inconsistent with science, says Dartmouth physicist Marcelo Gleiser. So, of course, what jumped out at me? First of all, atheism is inconsistent with science. That was that whole, like, I'm like, hmm, okay, well, Brian is an atheist. So, so right away, I'm like, we got to talk about this. And then Dartmouth physicist Marcelo Gleiser. I'm like, why is an Ivy League physicist taking the stand? Because he's lost his way and he's out of his lane. <laughs> is that what it is? Well, it is. And he, I mean, I would love to have this guy. This, his argument sucks. And you can quote me on that all the way. This is a wow. bad argument. He might be hearing this. I hope so. I hope so. Your arguments were dismantled in the 18th century. They suck. Really? I'm sorry. That's why at the end of the article, we have these much more lucid positions that are brought up. Um, because there's only about a page worth of crap okay, here that you had but, to say, sir. Okay, but we need to, to present his point of view. Yeah, we about will. His belief. Yeah. Okay, now, atheism and ag- agnosticism, they talk about both. Could you please explain to the people listening the difference between atheism and agnosticism? I will, and of course your buddy here is very much saying that the atheists are in the wrong and the agnostics would be in the right, which I think is a, a, you know, it's definitely a time-honored position, but it's wrong. So at any rate, um, the... Brian, very definitively. Yes, the agnostic believes that there is... no way to actually know. Like they're they're not sure about the reality of the divine. Oh, okay. So, so it, whatever the divine might be, the agnostic says, I really don't have enough information. Okay. To say one way or the other. If God exists. If God exists, okay. right? That's in, what in any agnostic form. says. I yeah. can't. I don't have any evidence, so I can't draw a conclusion. Okay. Right. And the atheist says there is sufficient evidence for us to draw the conclusion that there is no divine, at least of the type that we're discussing. So I want to point out that atheism is not a sort of complete blanket. I think that, you know, someone can take an atheist position while also, like Carl Sagan, like Bertrand Russell, they can keep an atheist position while simultaneously keeping their mind open to new evidence. So if, if better evidence came along that would give me any reason to entertain the agnostic position or even the 
um, the believer's position, then that belief could be adjusted. But I think that when you say there's, you know, when you say something like there is an all the time present, all the time relevant, all the time um, in play deity that frankly no one can communicate with and doesn't communicate in, in any way to us that makes itself known. At the same time, its uh, characteristics are very much at odds with the kinds of things that turn out here on the planet. I'm very much with Sagan and Russell on that, that there is every reason to believe that that God does not exist because there's no evidence of that God. Okay. So there's no reason to believe that God exists because there is no evidence. The pro- that is the crux right. of their argument. Well, the problem okay. is, is that there's a logical fallacy in here that Dartmouth is playing with. And this that guy, is, yeah. Yeah, and that is um, this fallacy. It's called the appeal to ignorance. Okay. And the appeal to ignorance um, is what we use in logic when we talk about something like the divine. We say, well... We don't have enough evidence to actually disprove the divine. Yeah. And we don't have enough evidence to actually prove the divine. Right. So in logic, we say it's best to say, I don't know. Right. Which yeah. would be the agnostic position. Right. right. In order, you know, in terms of because like. Because I don't have any evidence. Does it exist? Right. We don't have enough evidence to be certain one way or the other. But again, I think for practical purposes, when the issue is, if I say I don't know. Yeah. Then then all of these people doing things like going to church and living their lives in the expectation that this could be real. Right. Is actually not justified. And it's not just the reason we know it's not justified is because of Russell's teapot. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay, Russell's teapot. All right. So we're going to get to Russell's teapot. I mean, that's for me, that is the definitive logical argument if we want to talk about what logic has to say about this. Because if I'm going to live my life, like I'm going to go and give 10% of my stuff to this organization, why? Because I'm afraid if I don't, I might go to hell or something. Um, That strikes me as a big commitment in terms of the way I choose to live my life. And I wouldn't... I wouldn't commit to that unless I had good reasons to believe it was bona fide. Otherwise, it just looks like I'm showing up. And you're tell you're saying to me, "Hey, you're gonna go to hell, and I can't show it to you. I can't prove that anyone else is there. But I'm just telling you, you got to give me money because." What if in the church they, like, rolled back a trap door and you looked down and you saw it? I mean, that would help. Would that help? Yeah, okay. I think that would help. But, okay. I, but, but I also think that you have, you know, what you have is a, um, a culture in many cases that says, not just Judeo-Christian theology, but mm-hmm. a culture in many cases that says you have to believe this or else you will suffer some negative consequences. And the problem is in every, I think Russell points this out, and so does Sagan, in every particular case— the person who is making the claim cannot show that the claim is true. Right. And so when we make extraordinary claims, and, and your buddy Shermer says the same thing on this, or my buddy Shermer, um, the, the, um, when we make extraordinary claims, the uh, uh, burden of proof is on the person making the extraordinary claim to prove that it's true. The burden is not on me, the person hearing. The absolutely outrageous, outlandish, unjustifiable, foolish 
thing that someone is saying about reality, it's not on me to prove that that's not true. It. It's on them to prove it's not true because it never shows up in experience unless you imagine that some kind of ritual that we that we engage in has causation that we then can't see, but we still rely on. And I'm not wow. saying that we never see this kind of stuff because, of course, I believe that the future will resemble the past, but that's because it keeps happening that way, right? If I, if I keep on, and I suppose if I keep on engaging in prayer and my prayers are constantly answered, I would start believing that as well. But wow. the problem is, Lots of people engage in prayer. I would say probably everyone who was assaulted to death today probably engaged in prayer at some point during that didn't work right. for them, right? Everybody who goes down on airplanes probably is engaged in prayer, mm. but the airplane doesn't ever float back up because a particularly devout person was in there praying. So it's just that it's just that it's very hard to justify that these things actually work in really, you know, serious conditions, not just you know, I prayed for a video game and I got one for my birthday from someone like that's like, OK, that could have been all sorts of causes. Okay. This is where the this is where atheism wants to take a much stronger position and say even the agnostic position, if it comes to living my life that way, there's not a there's not a good justification for it. Got so it. that's okay. I think that's it. OK. I want to talk about the teapot mm. and the dragon mm -hmm, in a minute, mm -hmm. okay? But before same, we do that, same argument. Before we do that, yep. I want to take the Dartmouth College physicist. I want to just sort of explain and quote his point of view about it because this is this is relevant, okay? This is absolutely, relevant. yeah. Okay, here's what he says. Yep. I think atheism is inconsistent with the scientific method. Right. What I mean by that is, what is atheism? It's a statement, a categorical categorical statement right. that expresses belief in non-belief. Right. In other words, right. I don't believe even though I have no evidence for or against. Simply, I don't believe. Period. It's a Can declaration. I, wait, a wait a minute. Let me, let me stop there. So there's always this thing. Wait, I, I don't have evidence for or against. Right. The problem is that the claims are not neutral. See, the claim on the part of believers is what we're actually testing here. It's not it's not some wow. neutral claim in my life where I've just decided suddenly that maybe the like I just woke up one morning <laughs> in a vacuum right. and I decided in my little pod that maybe there's divine stuff out there. Right. And I'm just not really sure. I don't seem to have a lot of evidence one way right. or the other. That would be a reasonable agnostic position. This is what our friend here is ignoring and I think irresponsibly. You have tenure yeah. up there? My God. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's irresponsible to have this position because what you're saying, what, what we're actually saying when we're talking about belief in religion is there are all these claims that religious people make about the right. character of the divine and what it does and what it likes and what we should do. And there are all these claims made. And those are the claims we're actually testing. And all right. of those are bogus. Okay. I would say 2A1. And I know that some people listening disagree. I still love you. But anyway, 2A1, I think that this clear. is not, yeah, yeah, this is not bona fide. So he says, we say, okay, you can have a hypothesis. You have to have some evidence against or for that. Yeah. And so an agnostic would say, look, I have no evidence of God or any other kind of God. Yep. But on the other hand, an agnostic would acknowledge no right to make a final statement about something he or she doesn't know yep. about. So it kind of reminds me of Avi, Avi Loeb, our favorite Harvard astrophysicist. Yeah. Who I bet these guys have lunch. 
I bet. <laughs> they meet halfway between Dartmouth and, and Harvard I'm and sure. have lunch. Yeah, and, and talk yeah, about ways to manipulate academia Avi, for personal Avi fame. Loeb. Okay, so, so Avi Loeb, if you remember, he was the guy who, when there was spotted on the off the coast of Hawaii, yeah. a object in space that was not readily at the time identifiable. Right. He said in a scientific paper, well, sure we don't know what it is. It could be an alien um, probe, or not right. probe, but an yeah, alien probe. I think probe, probe. Was the word. Okay, yeah. alien probe, yeah. because we don't, he's like this guy, we don't have evidence that it is, we don't have evidence that it isn't. So it could be that. And so I want to say that it could be a ceramic teapot floating <laughs> in space. <laughs> like, why not? Right. Like, I mean, that's the whole problem is that if you say, well, there's there's this thing out there, well, I, I say there's a different one it over here be, or something. It could be anything. <laughs> and and just to assert that it is something because we don't have evidence against that, you know, to disprove that claim, it strikes me that this person is engaged. I mean, while this person is trying to, and maybe Avi too, while they might be trying to call attention to the fallacy of ignorance, which is what you describe here, they are also definitely falling prey to it. Take a break. Take a breath. Enjoy the tunes for a second, and uh, we'll get right back to it. We appreciate you reaching out to us at Critical Thinking for Everyone on Facebook with your commentary. Donate to Forward Radio! say these are the claims I'm rejecting. I'm not right. rejecting the possibility of right. it wasn't a big bang, it was God's little finger. Right. How would I know, right? I mean, I'll, I'll go with agnosticism on that, but to say that since I don't know, with Pascal's wager, who we're not talking about here, with Pascal's wager to say since we don't know, but since so many people believe this bunch of stuff, it yeah. really makes sense that we should at least try to believe that for the sake of what if they're right? Once again, what if it's right? What a flying spaghetti monster? I mean, that's the one. Just look it up. The flying spaghetti monster disproves this whole thing. Russell's teapot disproves this whole okay, thing. Yeah, we got Sagan's talk dragon about... disproves this whole thing. All right. Just because you make outrageous claims, that is no reason that other people should believe them if you can't show one piece of evidence other than you just happen to think it might be true. Okay. It's not good enough. So basically, he's taking intellectual humility and skewing it. Yeah, it's twisted. It's like, right, because yeah. intellectual humility He's actually is... a really great sophist, and I wish he'd stay in <laughs> physics, because he's embarrassing himself <laughs> in philosophy. Trying to get into philosophy. Yeah, get out of here. Yeah. Go, so, go back to your job. So here's, let's go to the teapot. Sure. Okay. Bertram Russell and the teapot. Okay, yeah. so here is what this article, and, and I appreciate this article because it's bringing in these other perspectives. It says, um, famous for his well-reasoned atheism, Bertrand Russell, that's what he's saying, he acknowledged that he was technically an agnostic and declaring that there to be no God was a step too far. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. However, he pointed out why that step shouldn't bother anybody. Right, this is the right? key right here, yeah. Right, right. 
So he said, I ought to call myself an agnostic, but for all practical purposes, I'm an atheist. I do not think the existence of a Christian God any more probable than the existence of the gods of Olympus or Valhalla. Okay, so he says, to take another illustration, nobody can prove that there is not between the Earth and Mars a China teapot revolving in an elliptical orbit, but nobody thinks this sufficiently likely to be taken into account in practice. I think the Christian God is just as unlikely. So, so let me see if I can sum up what he's saying. What he's saying is nobody can prove that there isn't a China teapot revolving in this, this orbit. So because of that, nobody is going to say, well, I think it's there. Even in, and nobody can prove it. Well, no one's gonna. I think for Russell, no one's gonna take it into account when they start reasoning. So let's say, let's oh. say someone says there's this oh, China, there's a, teapot. there's a teapot there, and if we take that seriously, we go, oh, well, that must have been put there by, you know, how did that get there? <laughs> oh, well, if it if it's a China teapot, what pattern does it have? That's the pattern we should have. Right. I mean, that's the problem is that you, if you could assert... Could it interfere with the space station? Could it interfere with the space station? We should station? take it into account. It could be out there. We should be... We should set Worried up some it. extra technical measures in case the teapot flies through at a million miles an hour and just goes right through the space station. <laughs> you know, the thing is, if we take it as being real... If we right, take the, then right. we will account for it when we start dealing with reality, I right? And that's the problem see. is that if you just assume that this whole thing is neutral, I really don't have a huge, I have a terrible problem with the way this gentleman presents this terrible broken argument. But I don't have a, a particular problem with the idea of it, agnosticism being a logically neutral position. I mean, I think that that is... That is fine as a place to start. But once again, we're not dealing with I woke up on an island and I grew up with the palm trees and started thinking, what are those holes in the sky? <laughs> right. You're right. I mean, that would be where I could really if I'm young, perhaps if I haven't had a lot of life, I have a lot of experience with religion, I might be able to pull off this neutral agnosticism and really stay in this place. But if I'm going around all the time hearing the claims and the judgments and the policy yes, shapings the policy. of the dominant right. religions in my culture, I think that that's where it's like, well, if we're going to take this seriously, shouldn't we actually figure out if these claims by religion are justifiable in the same ways that we would if we were trying to figure out maybe um, an ethical problem that wasn't related to religion. Like we, I mean, shouldn't we use those levels of right. evidence in, instead? In, right. Instead, it is centered and, and built up around this in this invisible. Yeah. God. Well, this invisible, right? th these this bunch invisible, of claims, right. and it's not just the God. I mean, it's also the you know that you say, well, God's good, and you say, okay, well, God, you know, you say right. God's good. I see lots of harm and suffering, and. Systems that are designed for horrible outcomes right here on the planet, just if things go naturally. And so you say, well, is that something that an all good creature would do? And what's the response? You don't know the mind of that. You don't right. know the bigger Everything picture. Everything, and you just go, oh, well, that's, I mean, that's like the worst cop out ever. I mean, that's just, again, that's going into faith. But if we're going to use reason, we don't use faith. Like faith implies that I don't have good reasons. So to say, well, I have good reasons and I have faith, well, you don't need the faith. 
Like that's not needed, right? right? Because if you had good reasons, that would be sufficient. Yeah, this is fascinating. <clears throat> fascinating. Okay, <clears throat> well, let's talk about Carl Sagan and the dragon. Go ahead. Okay, yeah. ready? Yeah. So astronomer and science educator, the late Carl Sagan, who we both yes. love. Yes. We love him, yes. don't we? Yes, we do. Not just because he can rock a turtleneck. I mean, but, I mean that's just can. a bonus. Yeah. Anyway, he said he made a similar point about the dragon in his garage. Uh -huh. Okay, yeah. so suppose I seriously make an assertion to you, okay, mm -hmm. Brian? Mm -hmm. I say, surely you want to check. Hey, I got a dragon in my garage. Sure. I want you to come see it. I know that a lot of people think that dragons yeah. don't exist. Yeah. But there's one in my garage. Yeah. Okay. So then you would say, show me. Right. So I'm going to take you to my garage, and I'm going to open the door and I go, look, see mm -hmm. the dragon? Mm -hmm. Look. Mm -hmm. what you Where's say? the dragon? And I say. Oh, oh, she's right there. I neglected to mention she's invisible. Yeah. And so maybe we should spread flour on the floor of the garage to capture the dragon's footprints. Well, that'd be a good idea. But I forgot to mention this dragon also is invisible and floats in the air. Uh, so what we'll need is some infrared sensors to detect the dragon's invisible fire. Okay, you're really good. But I forgot to mention the invisible fire is heatless. Ah, okay. So in order to detect the dragon, what we will need to do is spray paint the dragon well, to make her visible. Okay, normally I would say that's a good idea, yeah. but I forgot to tell you she's incorporeal. Incorporeal dragon. Incorporeal dragon. Incorporeal. She has no body. She has no body. And the paint won't stick. Yeah. So. So I'm mm, gonna start saying, mm, I'm not sure. But there's it's a, there. I'm not it's sure there's there. a dragon in here. I, I'm just telling you, you can't see it, you can't touch it, you can't feel it, you can't hear it. But I'm just telling you, it's there. And this is, and and you know, we could certainly go further with this analysis. But the the point for Sagan is that no matter what rational. Um, way of demonstrating the dragon's existence might exist, all of those are going to be explained away as, well, they won't work because. And the best one, of course, if you're in the Judeo-Christian religion, just say it with me. You shouldn't test God, right? Thou shalt not test the Lord thy God, right? So we can't ask questions. We can't make it, do a miracle for me. Okay. Right? I mean, we can't do that. We can't ask the priests to do this. Like, they're supposed to be the magic representatives, right? So, I mean, this is the thing is that if we can't ever test the stuff, then it just becomes a conjecture that is unproved. Okay, but Brian, Brian, some people will say to you, wait a minute, Brian. Yes. I pray to God and yes. God shows me the way. Sure. God sometimes answers my prayers. God sure. gives me comfort. Sure. You can't tell me that God doesn't exist because I feel... God, when I pray and when I mm -hmm. need wisdom and God shows me the way. So how can you say God doesn't exist? Because I can feel it. God you, moving in my life. I understand. No, I understand that. I understand. Yeah. Would you like to see the dragon in my garage? <laughs> Come on. Let me, let me show you the dragon in my garage. Does the dragon in your garage show you the way in life? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every day. Every day. The dragon counsels me. The dragon doesn't use words, of course. The dragon sends me kind of non-corporeal direction. Really? Yeah. Sort of like talks to you in your mind? Or I mean, kind of. It's, kind not, of it's like not quite that tangible, but I definitely, I take, yeah, I take counsel and direction from the invisible dragon. Is that why your garage is like beautifully decorated and has all the space and windows that the dragon can see and... 
Is that the why dragon you... does have preferences. You would want, if you wanted to revere the dragon, you would decorate it in the ways that I have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that yeah. is what the dragon wants. So. As far wow, as I know. Wow. As far as I'm telling okay. you. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. All I right. mean, that's the problem. Is that if you're going to say, this is the guidance that I get. Once again, it's like, the problem that. Let me just say, with Michael Shermer, by the way, let me just say. I know what it sounds like, what we're saying here, but no one's actually saying that, in fact, the divine is not real. We're not saying that. Well, we're not saying that because, once again, we can't say that. What I'm saying is, I don't know what Patty's saying, what I'm saying is that there isn't a way to demonstrate it. And so, just hypothetically, if we were at school and I was the teacher and you came up to me and you said, Patty's bullying me. I would want to know what Patty had been doing, and I guess I would want to see some, I mean, I, I would take your word for it that she was, but I would look closely to see further evidence of bullying before I punished Patty, right? Because I I would want to have a good reason right. for you, that. You want some evidence for the back up the claim. I think any of us would. I think if somebody said, this person ran into my car right. with their car. You say, oh, let's see the damage. Like, oh, well, it's invisible damage. Right. Well, now suddenly, I'm just afraid. I'm afraid we can't make that claim, see, because that's the absence of providing evidence. And that's where the reasoning mind and the critical mind, the skeptical mind, if you want to call it that, really wants evidence in order to be satisfied as opposed to just believing something that doesn't have anything to back it up with. And those of you out there saying, well, you know, this is my faith. I say, well, we'll have at it, but there's no reason to turn it into things like public policy if it's just a personal faith. Because if we were talking about regulating things like crosswalks, we would want to have good reasons for making them one way or the other. But we're going to bring in this invisible mumbo jumbo from everybody's church to do the same thing. I mean, I'm not sure that that's really reasonable. What if I say to you, you just said invisible mumbo jumbo, and that offended me. Yeah, I'm sure and, it did. And 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 so my evidence of you offending yeah. me is that comment. What do I would you li- say? I would like to point out that the people who run forward radio also believe in mumbo jumbo, and so this is not their opinion. This is my personal this opinion. This is you. I Brian would say Burns. that. But to go further, I would say you know, I'm going back to Sagan and to um, to to Russell on this. It is your responsibility if you make extraordinary claims. It's your responsibility to prove it. And if you can't prove it in the same way that you can prove that this is a table here, like if we don't have that level of proof, or we don't have to have this level of proof, let's have the level of proof that we have in ethics, which is that we should do the things that we do for excellent reasons that we can demonstrate, even though they might not be ones that everybody agrees with, right? But we agree that this would, you know, based on some theory, this would be the best outcome. We can't even do that because we can't examine anything. It's just a matter of hanging on to an idea and continuing to put it forth and hoping that, Reality doesn't contradict it, frankly, because reality does all the time, every one of these platitudes. So essentially what Sagan is saying is your inability to invalidate someone else's hypothesis is not at all the same thing as proving it's true. 
Yeah, that's right. Because just because I can't show right. that the teapot is not there, right. that doesn't in any way indicate that there's a teapot. Th- right. Like, right. not at all. Exactly. And just because I can't show that the dragon isn't there. So I say, oh, well, well, your dragon's not here. And you say, my dragon is here. And I say, well, it's not here. And you say, prove my dragon's not here. I can't prove your dragon's not there if you make all these claims about it being invisible, et cetera, et cetera. I can't right. prove that. But once again, that all that does is show that you're clever. It doesn't actually give any evidence to show that the thing is actually there. Because you took away all of the normal ways of interacting with it. Why? Why would I have, like, all of these weird standards like, oh, well, certainly, let's test its ectoplasm. You know, I mean, why would I have these bizarre standards about this stuff when everyday standards, everyday reality is what we use for the garage door? So the garage door exists, right? I mean... I mean, we can talk about that, but not the dragon in the garage. Like, it's just the whole thing. We have these two standards for reality, and they they don't match up when you start actually taking it in a sober way. Not to say that everybody out there's drunk on their religion, but I mean, well, but you know, I'm just not everybody. Well, but okay. So how does this help us in everyday thinking? Because Oh, it bums us out. Well, because it does. <laughs> but what it re- helps re- remind us is that we need to seek evidence for what we believe. That is that is the thing. And, of course, for a lot of people who would really like to believe in things that they can't see and they've, right. they've, they cling to those traditions, it becomes a very frustrating thing. Yes. And, right. And yeah. so, as Sagan says, claims that cannot be tested, assertions immune to disproof, are, what is this word? Ver, Veridically. What, worthless. Yeah, that's in terms of truth, in terms of, in terms oh, of, of like determining verifying. the truth. Yeah, same, okay. same root word. Whatever value they may have in inspiring us or in exciting our sense of wonder. Right, and for sure, if we want to say, I was totally inspired by... Um, you know, the, uh, Joseph Smith and the and the magical glasses oh, and plates. Yeah. That whole story just inspires me. I'm, so, I'm going to become a Mormon. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm inspired to do creative things, maybe, yeah. or I'm in, I'm inspired to dig holes, or I don't know what you do. Like that makes you excited about that. You know, I, th- there are things about the Islamic faith, you know, as I have studied it, that I find very interesting and maybe appealing as ideas, but there are certain places where I can't go any further with that except as an inspiration or kind of a metaphor or something like that because it doesn't make any sense because there's no there's no way I can square my understanding of reality with this. And, of course, before you say, well, Barnes, you don't know everything about reality. You haven't been to the mountaintop and you didn't, you know, do yeah, the special sacred thing. And, yeah, yeah. And I say, well, I mean, who has? Right. Most of us are sitting around in church. We go there on Sunday. What what mystic spiritual quest did you go on such that you hear the voice of God? You're listening to the person in the front of the room. Give their opinion about this old book or something. Right. I mean, it's not there's not yeah, an, an a lot actual of people do find that inspiring. I know. But that's a lot of that's for, for these folks. That's where it should stay. And I think for critical thinking, that's also where it should stay as much of a bummer as that might be. Wow, you are really dropping the truth bombs today. Well, man. I'm sure that some people will find this particularly offensive, but I ask you to check your own assumptions and to look, you know, to your own biases and, you know, some of these things, it I think that it's I think that upon investigation, a lot of our ideas that we hold, particularly ones that come from tradition, 
they we don't hold them for good reasons. We hold them because we've always held them, or because our uh, the people before us held them, or because our community holds them. I mean, that's right. not that's not the right. same as and having good reasons. And some people though would say that's enough for me. And I say, yeah. good for you. That's what people. Some yeah, a lot of people good for would you. say that. Yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, I think that's right? fine. It's just that when you start to get into the area once again of public policy, of public education, of the ways we right. should hold our, you know, the ways we should support our societies. I think if we're if we just have a bunch of imaginary teapots running around to help us make those rules. It does sound a lot of crazy when you say it that way. It sounds it? it sounds crazy to people who aren't religious. The whole thing's ridiculous, frankly. I mean, why would we believe this? But of course, it is very popular. And I didn't it's call anybody crazy. Extremely popular. Extremely popular. Yeah. It is the most popular religious belief is the most popular approach to ethics on the planet, which is really problematic because that means that the most popular approach to ethics is based in authority without evidence. Wow. That's really interesting. What you're saying is basically if someone has to make an ethical decision, the most popular way is to what is my religious, what does my religion tell me? The to religious do in this frame, situation? because because I think a lot of people don't study ethics outside of that. Okay. All right. they have is like their family thing, whatever that is, their in-group. Right. And then if their in-group is religious, right. they have that as an right. overlay, which is often more important even than the in-groups wow. rules. Wow. We should have a whole separate show about ethics. Because you're an ethicist. We've talked about ethics a lot. I know we have, but there's so much more to talk about. A lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. We hope that you've enjoyed this deep dive into infuriating topics. <laughs> <laughs> We've had a good time anyway. You certainly have. Well, if you if you would like to reach out and demure, you certainly may do so on Facebook at Critical Thinking for Everyone. We would love to get um, your heated retort. And if you loved it, or if you didn't like it, we still welcome you to participate in the Pledge Drive. Oh, dude, that'd be the best. So on April 9th, I'll be at the Tim Faulkner Gallery, yes. right, from 1 to 4. And yes. I would love to. I would love for you to come down and tell me what I'm going to hell or whatever's going on, and we can have a little debate, debate. about that. Yeah, come and on down. And it could be live on the air. Yeah, get my, get my um, you know, get heathen self. Up. Yeah, come on. Come on, let's talk about how I'm... How I got it all wrong. Unless I would you love haven't to gone to hell by then. Who knows, right? But I mean, I I, I would love to have a um, a reasonable debate about this and just to see where the um, where the standards are. So if anybody's excited about that, I'd love to see you at, uh, hey, at April the, 9th. Yeah, at the pledge drive. We'll see you then. Yeah, for sure. And in the meantime, if you're trying to think about the value of these standards or what they're really for or why I should bother with such a thing or I don't know, do I really want to want to tread on the uh, footsteps of tradition or whatever, just think that these tools arise naturally. They're in your mind and, you know, you can use them. They're for everyone. Even you. All right, friends, thanks for listening. Tim Faulkner Gallery in downtown Louisville, April 9th. That is where we need to see you for our pledge drive. Let's talk about some belief. Let's talk about some good thinking. Let's support Louisville. You already know it's for everyone.